بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Tonight inshallah I'm going to take you on a journey on the story of Hajj the story that involves Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam Firstly it is the fifth pillar of Islam for anybody who is able to get to Hajj and do Hajj they must do Hajj as soon as they reach puberty and not to delay it if you are able to go. Some people assume that they should wait until they're old, very old, to go to Hajj because they assume that uh, when you go to Hajj then you don't, you're supposed to not do any more sins. That has nothing to do with it, brothers and sisters. Going to Hajj is a pillar and a fard, a compulsory act of worship like every other worship, your five daily salat, your fasting of Ramadan, and your zakah. So do not delay the hajj. And this is, it is actually a sin to delay the hajj when you are able to go to hajj. Of course, some people have reasons, practical reasons why they, impractical, reasons that make it impractical for them to go to hajj. Such as if they are not financially able, or if they're stuck in work and are not able to take time off. Sometimes they may have, especially for sisters, if they just had a baby, for example, or the children are too small, needing someone to look after them. Many of these reasons and others are accepted reasons for people to delay their hajj. But one unacceptable reason, other than just delaying your hajj because you want to be old and not do sins, uh, is when people think that if you owe uh, a debt, you're not allowed to go to Hajj. This is, not, uh, this is not correct. If you owe a debt, only in one case you shouldn't go, and that is if you owe someone a debt and that debt is due and it is Hajj season and you need to use money to get to Hajj, travel and, st and so on, and you juggle between should I pay the debt off to the person or should I use it to go to Hajj? We say no, you have to prioritize the debt because paying the people that what you owe them is more important than going to Hajj. Secondly, if you owe on a debt that is organized, like that's um, in, if you owe a debt that is in installments over 10, 20, 30 years, for example, and you pay monthly or yearly or whatever you pay, that has nothing to do with owing a debt. You don't, we don't say to you, no, pay off the 30 years first and then go to Hajj. No, that's absurd. So any debt that you already owe to someone or individual or a group and it's due and it's between going to Hajj or paying them, no, you pay them. However, you can ask them to, for, or to give you more time. And if giving you more time will, and you know, but by going to Hajj and paying for the Hajj and coming back, you will be able to fulfill paying that debt, then do so. But if you know that by them giving you time and you coming back and you still won't be able to give them because you've spent it on, on getting to Hajj, then give the debt first and delay the Hajj. Is this clear? I hope so, inshallah. I know there's a lot of questions. We'll leave it to the end, inshallah ta'ala. Any questions about that, but this is a fiqhi matter. I haven't gone into the story yet. No questions? I know what you're going to do to me. You're going to wait until I'm finished and you're going to say, Stay back. <laughs> I've got to do something. I've got no problem with that, brothers and sisters. Wallah. But I have something to do after, inshallah. So we'll give you time to ask questions here, inshallah. But let's get into the topic. The story of Hajj is huge. And we need to go back to appreciate why we do the, what we do in Hajj and why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made Hajj compulsory upon every believer. The story of Hajj involves Ibrahim alayhi salam. And it begins when he was a child. He was a child which we don't know exactly how age. The Quran and the Hadiths don't tell us. But we can work it out that he was a fata. A fata is mentioned in the Quran. And a fata in the Arabic language is someone who is a young adult. It could be about 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, maybe even 9 years old, or just in the beginning of puberty but early teens to late childhood. In that age, a child 
or a person who has just reached puberty has still got a strong sense of a, of a special word that we have learnt in the Qur'an. It is called fitra. What's it called? Fitra. Fitra, F-I-T-R-A. I've just, in English. Fitra is a natural way that every human being has been created on. Every baby, whether born from Muslim or non-Muslim parents, God, Allah, tells us that they are born on the fitrah. And Muhammad وسلم, our Prophet, said, fitra. In the hadith which is in Bukhari. Every newborn is born on a natural inclination. Natural uh, way. An example of the fitrah is when a child reaches a particular age and suddenly feels shy and embarrassed to ask their dad or mum to go with them to the toilet. They feel shy when they're changing their clothes. That can be acquired by education, but if you leave the child alone, the child will naturally feel embarrassed. That's a part of fitra. Fitra is that if you leave a child alone, they will naturally ask the questions everyone asks. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? If you mention God, your creator, it makes sense to a child. And if you say there are more than one gods, the child questions. Have you seen that clip on the internet? I saw it once of a little child who happens to be born from Christian parents and she's reading a book about Jesus Christ saying, or something from the Bible, biblical verses, I can't remember them, that Jesus Christ went to learn about God. And she asks, so is he asking about learning about himself? Since he is God, because you know, the current belief, uh, the later Christians, they believe that Jesus Christ is God himself and the Son of God at the same time. And they believe in the Father, who is also God, and so on. So the child asks a natural question. Every child asks that. My little child once asked me, can I get a letter and go up to the sky to hug God? Because I want to feel his love. That is fitrah. It's an innocent question. And I said, by praying, you love God and you connect with God. She said, is that why we do this? It's like we're hugging him. This is a child's innocence. This innocence is called fitrah. And for this reason, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, al-qalamu an thalath. The pen has been lifted off three. A person who is asleep until he or she wakes up, meaning if you passed salat, dhuhr or fajr, and you slept in accidentally, you are not accountable because you weren't conscious. Until you wake up, you, you make up the salat that you owe. Number two, nasi hatta A person who has forgotten until they remember. You are not accountable if you've forgotten. Once you remember, you are accountable for your duties. And number three, uh, a young child, until he or she has reached puberty. They're not accountable. No sins upon a child. So Ibrahim begins as a child in a state of fitra. And you will see now in the first few verses that I'm going to recite, we realize this fitra manifesting itself in Ibrahim السلام, as a child. Why does Allah begin with the fitrah because, with, as a child? Because Allah subhanahu wa wants to introduce us to this natural inclination. That when someone tells you, or Allah tells you, through the Qur'an, there is only one God, the creator of the universe. He made you, and there is a purpose for you, and you return to Him. The person with a fitrah can make sense of it better than any other faith, uh, any other uh, ideology, or faith that someone calls you to. What is that? That the creator of everything is outside of his creation. If he was in his creation, he would be created and he would rely on his own creation, making him not God anymore. The creator cannot be created. We turn to Allah naturally and every person has that sense of turning to Allah, to God. So in the beginning we hear that the first introduction to Prophet Ibrahim السلام, at the earliest age is this. Allah says, 
وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ آزَرَ أَتَتَّخِذُ أَصْنَامًا آلِهَةً وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ آزَرَ أَتَتَّخِذُ أَصْنَامًا آلِهَةً إِنِّي أَرَاكَ وَقَوْمَكَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ So at a young age he said, and recall when Abraham said to his father, Azar. That's his father's name, or his title, Azar. Do you take idols for gods? I see you and your people in obvious error. So this is the innocent words of a child. A child talks based on what they see and what they act. And they don't know the ramifications of their words. They just say as it is. That's why we don't get upset with a child. So he says to his father, Azar, you and your people look like you are in error. You're doing something wrong, Dad. You're you're taking these statues and these idols. And you are worshipping them. That's a mistake. That doesn't make sense, Dad. You and your people... It seems like Azar, his father, used to always talk to his son about his people and about following the people and about following his culture and following his ancestors and following his race and following what the people tell him. So it looks like his father was more tribal and cultural than following the truth. What did his people worship? Brothers and sisters, they worshipped the stars. They worshipped the galaxies. They worshipped planets. And they made idols and statues out of them. You will know by reading the entire story of Prophet Ibrahim in the Quran. I think Allahu A'lam, I'm not sure. It looks like they were probably around the time of the Babylonians. And uh, from what we read about Babylonians, historians do tell us this same belief. That they, were, they believed in zodiac signs. They're the ones who made up zodiac signs. And they're the ones who called the planet Jupiter, Jupiter, meaning a god. And they made a statue called different names. And uh, some of the names called Marduk, Marduk in their language. And some other names, female and male gods and big gods. And they had different representations. So you know astrology and zodiac signs. Born in January means you're this, February means you're that. All these superstitious beliefs. They came from the people of Ibrahim, alayhi salam. And we see this in the Qur'an when Allah speaks about Ibrahim constantly referring to the stars, the planets, the moon, the sun. Which makes sense that these people probably were the people of the Babylonians or maybe before. Later on they maybe have become Assyrians, the ancient Assyrians. Anyway, Ibrahim came to these people that were worshipping idols that represented galaxies and stars. And naturally he says, why do you worship stars there? They're just stars, they're just planets, these idols, they're just statues. The story goes on. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides Ibrahim alayhi salam to the truth, he guides him to the truth, and makes him question, who created this world? Who created the stars? Who created the sun? Surely the one who created all of this is the one deserving of worship. And following Allah alone. We say, we call this this Tawheed. Tawheed means to single out Allah in your belief and worship apart from any other deities. Unifying Allah alone in our worship and our belief. Not associating any partners. And Ibrahim is the absolute symbol of Tawheed. And the absolute symbol against shirk, which is making partners with God. Whether it's superstitions, whether it's wearing amulets, whether it's believing in zodiac signs, whether it's believing in a statue or idol or a person. And in this day and age, we have a new type of God that people worship, and that is their desire. Allah says in the Quran, O Muhammad, in brackets, has it ever come to you or occurred to you 
Or have you ever heard of the one who takes their own desire as their own God, which they worship? What does worshipping mean? It means that anything that you prioritize that runs your life before anything God said, before anything the prophets say, if that's what prioritizes you in your life, you take that, you worship that. Anything that takes precedence other than the Qur'an, other than Allah, other than His messengers, that becomes your God. And it's your, a person follows their desire, the desire becomes their God. And hawa, hawa means like the wind. The desire, if you rely on your desires and feelings, they take you like the winds. There is no stability to it. There's no consistency. And that's why you find people when they follow their desire, one minute they believe this, next minute they believe that. They don't know who they are, where they're going, and why they're here. And these are the three main questions. Where did you come from? Why are you here? And where are you going? These are the fitra questions, the instinctive questions that we all ask. Brothers and sisters, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put into Ibrahim alayhi salam and stabilized the fitra part of his beliefs, Allah wanted to make him into a prophet. And Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did tell us, Whomever Allah wants goodness to come out of them, He will guide him or her to understand and comprehend the deen of Allah, the religion, the way of Allah. Not just black and white, but to understand the meanings behind the meanings. The meanings behind the words. Fiqh means to comprehend and understand at a deeper level. Some people take the Islam and the Quranic verses and hadiths just on face value. That's okay, but that's not enough to understand your religion. And your deen, you need to ask more. Otherwise, everybody will be a scholar naturally. But obviously, we need guidance. Brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to now give Ibrahim alayhi salam a stronger knowledge. Beyond what he sees of his fitrah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now wants to give him a deeper knowledge, a way to understand how to produce his evidence, to use empirical evidence, to use proof, to use reason, to use backup and reasoning. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an this, وَكَذَلِكَ نُرِي إِبْرَاهِيمَ مَلَكُوتَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَلِيَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُوْقِنِينَ In Surah Al-An'am verse 75, Allah said, Thus did we show Ibrahim the kingdom of the heavens and the earth that he be one of those who have faith with certainty. Faith with what? With certainty. A Muslim does not just follow things blindly. We follow faith with certainty. There are over 30 something different passages in the Quran which talk about certainty, reflection, comprehend, think, question, reason, analyze. To do that you need evidence. So Ibrahim salam was shown evidence. Allah showed him the planets, the stars, the galaxies. This is what the verse means. Heaven means the skies. Jannah means gardens. So don't mix the two. Heavens means skies. It's just translated like that in English versions of the, of, of the translation of the Quran. Heavens is an old language for skies, space, astronomy, the galaxies, the Milky Way, all of that. And the ard means the land or the ground that we stand on. Ibrahim salam was given knowledge from Allah through the angel Jibreel of the galaxies and the stars and planets and the sun and the moon and how they rotate and what they do. And in the earth, how the molecules work, how the earth works. Everything. And he used that as evidence, لِيَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُقِنِينَ So that he may be among those with certainty. Meaning when he speaks, when he looks, when he talks, he talks from a grounded certainty. There's a difference between knowing information and understanding the information and in practicing the information and then knowing how to debate and produce the reasoning and the evidence of the information. Big difference. So Ibrahim became one of those and you will see he was an amazing debater. Debates on truth with certainty and with grounded knowledge. And the first story of intelligence of Ibrahim is found here where Allah says that one day from the context of the verse, we understand that Ibrahim salam one day, probably, probably a young teenager, 12 years old, 13, 14, 15, 16, something like that. Because it's in the beginning of his life. When you look at the context of the verses, you'll find that it's the beginning of his life in his youthful age, early youthful age. He went out one day 
And he wanted to teach the people about their beliefs, but through letting them answer their own questions, but he will just pose what we call rhetorical questions. And I don't know how much you know about English grammar, they call it double entendre. A double entendre can also mean like a pun, or to say something that can have carry two meanings, and it's up to you to analyze it. So that's part of education. Ibrahim came out and wanted to educate the people with certain different statements that he made. They're rhetorical, they're not literal, but they are a double entendre, which means a kind of a pun sometimes he would come with. Sometimes he would come with rhetorical questions for them to answer. So what did he do? Allah says, قَالَ هَذَا رَبِّي فَلَمَّا أَفَلَ قَالَ لَا أُحِبُّ الْآفِلِينَ In the beginning he said this, Then when the night outspread over him, meaning when the darkness started to come around, meaning the sun set, he beheld a star, the Arabic word says kawkaba, and kawkaba means an object that is round. So from what we see is a star. Ibrahim could have seen a star or could have been a planet. And said, this is my Lord. But when it went down, he said, I do not love the things that go down. Some scientists today tell us, astronomers tell us that the first star that appears at sunset is Mars. And sometimes it's Venus. So they are planets, and he saw this planet, which the Babylonians used to worship. He saw the planet and he said to everybody, I see this, this is my God, look. Now it made sense to the people to believe him because he's using their same language. They already worshipped stars. They didn't pay much attention and he thought maybe they can pay attention. So give them what they already believe in. Hey everyone, that's my God over there. He doesn't mean it, it's a pun. And then when it faded away as the sun set and the moon came out, he couldn't see the star anymore. So he turned to the people and said, what? My God leaves me? One minute he's with me, next minute I don't see him? No, 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 no. I don't like to worship a God that abandons me. Allah will never abandon me. So I can't accept him as a God. Allah says in the Quran, فَلَمَّا رَأَى الْقَمَرَ بَازِغًا قَالَ هَذَا رَبِّي فَلَمَّا أَفَلَ قَالَ لَئِنْ لَمْ يَهْدِنِي رَبِّي لَأَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْقَوْمِ الضَّالِّينَ Then when he beheld the moon rising, he said, This is my Lord. But when it went down, he said, Were that my Lord did not guide me, I surely would have become among the people who have gone astray. He's hinting to the people that he already believes in the one true God, which he has already told them about. But he's trying to get them to think even on a bigger level. This is a big moon. Do you guys are worshipping this moon and this planet because they look big and they look strange and they look amazing. So you turn them into gods. It's called the moon god. They worship the moon god. And Ibrahim said, no, 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 the moon is, should be my God, and I wish that my God, the moon, guides me. So they knew that he had changed from what, he, what they thought he believed in, one true God, to this moon. And he's telling them, well, my moon God will now guide me. But Allah says, فَلَمَّا رَأَى الشَّمْسَ بَازِغَةً قَالَ هَذَا رَبِّي هَذَا أَكْبَرُ فَلَمَّا أَفَلَتْ قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ إِنِّي بَرِيءٌ مِّمَّا تُشْرِكُونَ then when he beheld the sun rising, he said, This is my Lord. This is the greatest of all. Then when it went down, he said, Oh, my people, most certainly I am quite of, I am quite of those whom I am, not quite, sorry. I am innocent of those whom you associate with Allah in his divinity. 
The sun faded away, which was big, which was stronger, which was shinier, which was more, uh, you know, everything. And when it went away, he said, people, come on, a God doesn't abandon us. A God has to always be with us. If he abandons us, he takes a rest, he goes to sleep, he's got other things he's busy with. No, 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 Allah is not like that. He's trying to teach them in their own language. But subhanAllah, he then said to them, finally, Behold, I have turned my face in exclusive devotion to the one who originated the heavens and the earth, and I am certainly not one of those who associate others with Allah in His divinity. So he told them the truth. He didn't just leave it like that. And that's to show you, brothers and sisters, Ibrahim Aysam did not, was not lost. He didn't, wasn't lost and he was looking for God and he went to the star and the moon. Allah already clearly tells us that Allah had taught him the truth from a very, very young age. And he was questioning his father. So it is wrong to say that he was once uh, misguided. No prophet or messenger of Allah was ever misguided ever in his life. Never committed adultery, never drank alcohol, never worshipped an idol, was never misguided. Yes, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, there came a time where he didn't know. He didn't know where he should go, but he never associated Panazal. He always worshipped one God, just like the, the religion of his forefather Ibrahim because the Arabs of Mecca always worshipped one God. The Christians always knew about one God. The Jews always knew about God. Everybody knows one God. Even the Sikhs of today ask them how many gods they say one God. Even the Hindus, technically, they believe in one God, but they associate partners with him and make so many other gods. So there's one God and that's what makes sense. So Ibrahim was always like that, but unfortunately his people did not get the hint. He tried with them in an easy way, he tried with them in a smart way, but none of them got the hint. They just continued to worship. And that's the state of people, my brothers and sisters. You know, people get affected by seeing things. They want to touch things. They want to see things. They want to have an experience of uh, a physical type of experience to believe in God. Subhanallah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us everything around you is a sign of Allah's existence. Without going more on to this, let's continue. Brothers and sisters, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees goodness in you, sincerity, courage, in you, he uses you for good and he guides you to the real knowledge and gives you the best of arguments against people who speak false and raises your rank. Have you ever been in a situation where you're talking, subhanAllah, Allah gives you this strength where these words start coming to you. You start to remember the verses, you remember those lectures, you remember what you read and you think to yourself in the end, where did Allah give me that support? If that's happened to you, then alhamdulillah, know that that's a sign that Allah has given you support on truth, insha'Allah ta'ala. So long as you are sincere and you truly want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure, Allah will guide you, my brothers and sisters. Allah says in the Quran, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ Allah says, if my servants ask you about me, I am always close. I will respond to the caller if he continues to call. إِذَا, إِذَا, إِذَا دَعَانِ إِذَا is an Arabic word. You can say in or إِذَا. If, if in English. But in Arabic, you can say if to mean constantly and a lot. And if meaning once as a condition. Allah does not say only if he calls upon me or she calls upon me once. Allah will respond to you every time you call forever, consistently, and he'll never get tired of you. But how does he respond? You have to trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not the way that you want him to respond. Not the way that you expect. Uh, Allah knows and you do not know. If you trust in Allah, he will guide you to the right path, inshaAllah ta'ala. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he taught Ibrahim السلام, all these things and guided him so that he can stand on the truth. My brothers and sisters, and then, why am I saying this whole story? This is the whole setup for Hajj, my dear brothers and sisters. When you go to Hajj, has anyone been to Hajj? Put your hands up. Alright, tell me. It's different hearing about the Kaaba and when you go and see it for the first time. Am I right or wrong? Did you cry? Nearly everybody I hear about when they first see the Kaaba, they cry. What is it about that place? Even non-Muslims have this special attraction to when they see it live or when they see a, an image or a footage of Hajj and the people circumambulating, circumambulating around the Kaaba. 
It's a really magnificent sign to see. Do you agree? It's something beyond what we can comprehend. I remember in 2004 when I went to Hajj, my friend and I, we stood up on the top uh, roof around the Kaaba and we just observed, just reflecting. How is it that three million people or so come from all around the world? Men, women, rich, rich, poor, young, old, high status, low status, people from all parts of the world. How did they hear about this place? How do they all know the importance of this place and the love? And they all come around and they're circumambulating like one body in peace, in unison. No difference between the man and the woman, between the old and the young, between the rich and the poor. No difference between any color or race. All like one body. La ilaha illallah. How beautiful it was. Who is it that guided them to this? This is the fitrah of Islam, the natural way. Islam is also called the natural way. Wallahi, it was a miracle to us. How is that? And for more than 4,000, 5,000 years they've been doing this. Even in the times before Muhammad وسلم, came along. There's even a book written by a non-Muslim called All Roads Lead to Mecca. If you haven't read it. Allah says in the Quran that the, 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 the Old Testament also talks about Bekka. Bekka. Be Bekka. They used to call Mecca Bekka. The Holy Land of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers and sisters, the Holy Mosque or the Holy House. Brothers and sisters, the fitrah. When you see these people together, I want you to remember a child. When you see the people in Hajj, how everybody's circumambulating, like one, and you think about a child. If a child is of different color and sees another child of another color, does a child, does a child base their friendship on the color they see? No, they don't. A child naturally goes, realizes the difference of color, says, oh, you're looking like that, you look like that, interesting. Okay, let's go play. They play. They just want to have fun. They're the same. They're innocent. So when you look at Hajj and the way the people are circumambulating like one body, it's the fitrah. The fitrah of a child. The innocence. It's beautiful. Subhanallah. Oneness of Allah. Brothers and sisters, Ibrahim salam comes back to his father. And you know the story when he says to his father, Oh my father, why do you worship that which cannot eat and cannot drink and cannot hear and cannot see and cannot speak and cannot benefit you or harm you in any way? Why do you worship that? Oh my dear father, information has come to me, a message of truth has come to me, so listen, you can be guided with it, my father. I will guide you to a straighter path. Oh my father, don't worship the shaitan. The shaitan is an enemy to the human and misguider. He didn't worship the shaitan literally, but when you worship and follow a guidance that is false, that's what the shaitan wants. Satan wants you to follow false. If you follow false, you are worshiping the shaitan. Then he says, Oh my father, I fear upon you that a fire may touch you. And you will become an ally to the shaitan. His father turns around and starts to yell at him and threaten him. And he said to him, Are you too good for my gods? Ya Ibrahim, if you do not stop talking about the stuff that you're talking about, I will stone you. I will beat you. I will hurt you unless you leave me and get away from my face. Meaning that he told him, Get out of my house. I disown you. If you continue this way, or I'm going to stone you. So Ibrahim salam lives a life of an, of an abuse, actually, family abuse. We call, that, we call it today like a dysfunctional family. He was abused by his family. Domestic abuse and threat and violence. So people who go through that can find solace in the story of Ibrahim salam. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought out a leader, an amazing strong person out of him. He did not let his father's abuse and his threat get to him. To the point where he says, I'm a nobody. You know what Ibrahim salam said? Qala, listen, listen to what Ibrahim salam's response to his father was. In the most humble, respectful and assured way. Qala sa'astaghfiru laka rabbi. 
قال سأستغفر لك ربي إنه كان بي حفيا He said I will ask Allah to forgive you my dad He is always close to me I will ask Allah to forgive you my father He felt pity for his father He didn't look at his father and say, I'm a nobody, look how he treats me. He says, Dad, I feel sorry for you. I ask Allah to guide you, Dad. Some people in their families, they look at how they treat them and it is quite harsh. Nobody can harm you more than when your family harms you. But for a Muslim, you can look at them as the oppressors and you're the victim. Or you can get stronger, inshallah, in time and reverse it and say, I'm going to make dua for them. May Allah guide them and your future will change insha'Allah. You can turn it around. Ibrahim salam then says, وَأَعْتَزِلُكُمْ وَأَعْتَزِلُكُمْ وَمَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ وَأَدْعُوا رَبِّي عَسَىٰ أَلَّا أَكُونَ بِدُعَاءِ رَبِّي شَقِيًّا and I will stay away from you as you want and everything that you worship dad you and your people and I will continue to call upon my Lord my Lord will never make me miserable Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not leave Ibrahim salam out and he will never leave you my brothers and sisters never when he left He went to the worshipping place where they all kept their idols to get some shelter because he was homeless, he was walking the streets, no family to protect him. And he still didn't give up. He wanted to teach his people a lesson. So in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Ibrahim looked up at the stars once. One quick look. And then he said, Inni saqim. I am sick. As soon as he said that, they ran away from him. This is another strategy from Ibrahim salam as what we call a pun. And you're allowed to use puns for education. He said, I am sick. What he means, I'm sick of your ways. I'm sick of the way that you treat me. I'm sick of the way that you are, you know, doing this to me. But all he did was he looked up at the stars once. It means they thought that this was a bad omen. A bad sign. Because in those days, if they looked up at the stars and then they say, I'm sick, it means that the stars have something in for you. It's a type of karma that they believed in. That the universe gets you back for something that you've done. So Allah says, they ran away from him. They ran away from him because they looked at him as a bad omen. The universe is getting him back. They don't want to take part in this. Do you understand? And to us, karma is a false belief. And uh, we don't believe that a universe gets you or a karma thing gets you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is in control of what happens back and forth. He may bring to you what you deserve or ward off what you deserve. And generally we are indebted to what we do, but we can repent and fix our ways. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may forgive or he may punish us and judge us in the hereafter. Brothers and sisters, Ibrahim Aysam then sat there. And he had a sledgehammer with, with him, you know the story. And then he went around to the idols, and in the Quran it says that he said to the, every, each and every idol, Here's some food. Here, eat some food. And you know, he's, he used to talk to himself. They say that public speakers always talk to themselves. Well, I do it all the time. And my kids always say, Dad, are you talking to yourself again? From the other room. And I say, Yes. <laughs> they got used to it. So people talk to themselves, it's a habit. And Ibrahim salam, he talked to himself, he's alone, and he looked at the idols and he said, Here, eat. مَا لَكُمْ لَا تَنْطِقُونَ What's wrong with you, you can't talk? He's talking to the idols, but he's really talking to himself, it's just self-talk. And then he started to break each one of the idols. He left the big idol, the biggest one, and he hung the sledgehammer over its head. And then he left. 
You might be thinking, are we allowed to go into churches and synagogue, uh, churches or other places and start breaking idols? No, you're not allowed. This was just for Ibrahim السلام, because his father, Azar, he used to make these idols. So he knew that his father made, everybody knew that he was the son of the guy who made the idols. So they're not going to hold it too much accountable. They'll just go to his dad and say, what's your son doing? You, you owe us some more idols because he broke them. And also, they were his, this, these were his people. And he thought, I can teach them something, insha'Allah ta'ala, since I've already begun my education with them. Anyway, when they came back, they screamed. They yelled. They went hysterical. There are different verses of the Quran. They say, Who did this to our gods that we worship? Ibrahim السلام, he was around and then they said قالوا, they said قالوا قالوا له, له they called out and said it is a young man a young boy he is called Ibrahim they said bring him bring him so that everybody can see so they brought him and everybody came and surrounded him who were they the priests the judges the elites and they brought also the the other people who were like the rest who are not important. Why? Because they wanted to humiliate him. And the priests in those days, they didn't want Ibrahim to show them what they were doing was wrong. So they wanted to get him to manipulate him. So that people, because he made a huge statement, this was a huge thing. People are now going to question, how did our gods get broken? Why couldn't they protect themselves? And the priests used to use these people and the king in order to keep them enslaved with false beliefs. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he tells us worship one God, it means you are totally independent, you are free. Nobody can tell you what to do except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you follow other people's false beliefs and ideologies, you can become enslaved to them. But when you are free and worship the one true God, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who you worship and fear. And that is why Muhammad also died, and all the prophets died, uh, except for Jesus Christ. He will die eventually. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifted him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us to follow him alone. Muhammad died, and Abu Bakr stood up and he said, Man kana Muhammadan fa inna Muhammadan qad mat, wa man kana fa inna Allah la yamut. Whoever worshipped Muhammad وسلم, then Muhammad has died. And whoever worships Allah and has always worshipped Allah, Allah is ever living, he will never die. So who do we worship? Allah. Not even the prophets do we worship. Not the Kaaba. We don't worship the Kaaba, that black thing. We don't worship it. We worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But why do we pray to the Kaaba? We pray in order as a sign and a symbol of unity. That no one is better than other, another and all the people of the world, all the Muslims of the world, they pray in one direction to show that we are true brothers and sisters like we are one body. Brothers and sisters, Ibrahim alayhi salam, came to them and they said, did you do this to our gods? He said, listen to yourselves. Ask the big god over there, who's got the sledgehammer on his neck. Ask him if you believe that they can talk. So the priests and everyone looked and they knew what he was talking about. They just scratched their head and they said, hmm. They came up close to him and they said to him, uh, you, you know you know that these idols, they don't talk. The context is that they whispered to him. That's how the ulama understand the context of the verse. They said, you know they don't talk. Obviously they wouldn't say it out loud. And Ibrahim السلام, then says an amazing thing. Allah says, قَالَ وَلِمَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ He said, Uff to you. That's a word to say that it's almost like a swear word, but it's not. But it's an offensive word. He said, Uff to you and whatever you worship instead of Allah. Why did he say that? I'll tell you why, brothers and sisters. This is not so that we can get up and abuse and talk and shout and scream. This is not how you make da'wah. But in that context... What happened was that they came in secret in order for nobody to hear. So he said a word that brought everyone's attention. Everyone's attention because he thought it was necessary. And when he brought their attention, he shouted. Why did he shout? He didn't shout because that's how you give da'wah, no. He shouted because he wanted to expose their secrets. They were whispering. He shouted. says, they're whispering to me. No! What you're telling me, you're trying to manipulate me and manipulate everyone else. 
So it's a tactic. It's not a norm. I don't want to see brothers going around, talking to their neighbors, calling them to da'wah. Believe in the Qur'an! Come here, you, you kafir, believe in the Qur'an! No, we don't talk like that. You don't talk to your neighbor like that. You don't talk to your teacher like that. You don't talk to your friends like that. You don't talk to your uh, uh, non-Muslim cousin like that, or to your non-Muslim parents. No, no, no. We already have seen how Ibrahim salam talks to his people, talks to his father, and talks, talks with respect, talks with reason. But in this case, it was a different scenario. So anyway, when he said that, guess what they did? They now have to counter his sensationalization. They said, Harriku! One priest called out, Burn him! Burn him! fil jahim, Throw him in the fire. That was their laws in those days, that anyone who went against their gods, it was considered going against the law, they would burn them. Have you ever heard, burn them to the stake? They used to burn witches, they said. That, was, that came all the way from their laws. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, فَأَرَادُوا بِهِ كَيْدًا فَجَعَلْنَاهُمُ الْأَسْفَلِينَ Allah says, they had plotted an evil plan against him, but we saved him from them. How did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save him from them? We all know the story. They brought a device like a catapult and they lit up the fire and they threw him into the fire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, We said to the fire, O fire, be cool and peaceful on Ibrahim. And so only the ropes were, were burnt and the fire was neither too hot nor too cold. And he walked out in front of them with nothing harming him. Allah says in the Quran, فَآمَنَ لَهُ لُوطًا Only a man named Lut believed in Ibrahim From the context of the verses we see that it is most likely that he met Sarah, his wife, his first wife, from the Babylonians and he married her as well. As he was leaving, the king called him, and we all know the story of Nimrod. He said to him, Hey Ibrahim, because Nimrod is afraid of losing his kingdom when someone talks the truth. He said, What is this God you're worshipping? He said, My God is your God and the God of everyone. And so the king said to him, What does your God do that proves he is a God? And Ibrahim salam said, My Lord gives life and death. The king Nimrod used a weak argument, a manipulative argument. He said to him, I can give life and death too. What he meant was that he has the power to choose who's going to be executed and who is not. Well, anyone can do that. Ibrahim salam meant the origin of life and the system of death, like everybody's going to die. Who is the one that takes those souls out? Allah. So then Ibrahim salam didn't bother arguing back and forth, say, what do you mean you give life and death? That's not what I mean, you're dumb. No. Ibrahim salam did not talk like that. He used a stronger argument immediately, and that's how you talk with ignorant people who just want to argue. Argue meaning I'm going to force you to accept my way. Debating, however, and talking with reason means I'm going to show you the truth. So what did Ibrahim salam say? Okay. فَإِنَّ رَبِّي فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْتِي بِالشَّمْسِ مِنَ الْمَشْرِقِ فَأْتِي بِهَا مِنَ الْمَغْرِبِ well then, my Lord brings out the sun from where it rises. Why don't you bring it out from where it sets? Do you know why he said that? Because the king has now made himself a god. He said, if your god gives life and death, I can also give life and death. Meaning, now he fell into a trap. That means he is also a god. Okay then, Mr. Namrod, Ibrahim is saying, if you are now a god, then you should be able to reverse the sun. Because my God brings it out from where it rises. So if you're a God, bring it out from where it sets. Definitely there's some God that brings it out. Why don't you now reverse it if you're a God? فَبُهِتَ الَّذِي كَفَرُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, The person who disbelieved was dumbfounded. <laughs> that means he's not a God. That means your argument about giving life and death is very silly. Anyway, he told him to get out of that land and he was expelled. And Ibrahim left the land. And this is the journey of how he started to build the Kaaba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala,
He guides you. Some of us, we fall into accidents. Others of us, we lose our children or we lose our parents. Some of us, we lose family members. Others of us, we lose wealth. Some of us, we lose our spouses. Some get divorced. Some get married. Some people get sick. Some people go through all sorts of different hardships in life. Brothers and sisters, from the story of Ibrahim salam, we know that never give up hope on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is formulating and planning something for you. The only person who loses out is the person who assumes in their own head that God wants bad for me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not punish anybody for nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always guides you. But sometimes there are things that you do which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He takes you in a different direction because you've made a bad choice. And sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts you in a direction or takes away something from you either to plan something new for you or to direct you in a better direction or to water for harm from you or to teach you something so that you can grow. Never assume bad about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the only people who suffer from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings to them are the people whose mindset is like this. When they say, what did I ever do? What did I do to God? I pray all the time, why did God do this to me? I, I've been a good person. Why did God make my business fail? What did I ever do? These thoughts in your head are your thoughts. And everybody's low self-esteem, if you have low self-esteem, it's because of your opinion of yourself. It's what you are thinking about yourself. Allah did not give you that opinion. Allah didn't tell you to think like that. Allah says, I will not leave you. And the Prophet ﷺ says, assume well of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that Allah says, I'm going to make you go through different trials in life. Why? Because through those trials is your growth. Through those trials is your test. The test meaning for you to know yourself. Nobody wants a spoiled child. You give him everything. Can you imagine that? You know, the worst children on earth who grow up are the ones whose parents gave them, spoiled them tremendously and rotten until they grow up feeling privileged. And they get upset with everyone, they're arrogant, they think that everybody owes them everything. The worst type of people are that. Take away something from them and they learn. Take away something from them and they realize. They become more, better helpers. They have empathy. They learn, they grow. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always has a plan for you, brothers and sisters. Always think well of Allah and keep going. Ibrahim salam, the best, one of the best prophets of all, the father of the prophets. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him go through this. So there is a wisdom and a lesson.